Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of our correspondents from around the world. I'm Tian Yu. Coming up in this edition, the number of confirmed deaths from wildfires on the Hawaiian island of Maui has risen to 93. The head of a religious delegation of mediators says Niger's military leaders have agreed to hold talks with West African bloc ECOWAS. A far-right populist candidate has secured a surprise win in Argentina's presidential primary election. Starting in North America, 93 people are now known have been killed by wildfires on the Hawaiian island of Maui. Search and rescue operations are still underway as firefighters battle the deadliest U.S. wildfire in more than a century. Meanwhile, anger is growing among residents as they question why authorities did not issue warnings. Nisa Sodet Perez has more. The wildfire's death toll continues to rise here in Hawaii. Now, canine teams are searching for cadavers, and they start working only on Saturday. That's why officials are saying that they expect to find more bodies. Now, firefighters are still extinguishing flare-ups in Lahaina and other parts of West Maui. Access is still restricted、uh, to residents, and they continue to feel frustrated. They want to go back to their hometown. Hawaii Governor Josh Green and the FEMA director surveyed all the area that was destroyed by the fires. Now, I had the opportunity to talk to the Maui County Mayor and ask him what I continue to hear from the residents: why they were not warned. They didn't. They say they didn't hear any any fire alarms. They didn't get any text messages. So I posed a question to him. This was his answer. Generally speaking, we do not have sirens for fires. Okay. I don't know if anybody in any other state does. Uh, the sirens tell you to go in and turn on your television and listen to the news reports. It's usually for、uh, tsunami warnings and hurricanes.、Uh, we don't want people, if there's a fire, going back into their home and turning on their TV. We'd rather they take, you know, take evasive action. So, I, I think there's a lot of talk about people、um, maybe misunderstanding the purpose. And that explanation is definitely not enough for the people that lost loved ones, all their belongings, their home. That was Nisa Sodat Perez in Hawaii. Moving on to Asia, several countries continue to be pummeled by extreme weather. China has been grappling with deadly rainstorms and a tornado. Chinese authorities have issued alerts for mountain torrents and possible geological disasters in the country's northeast, northwest, and southwest. In Shaanxi Province, 21 people were confirmed dead, and six others are still missing. Zheng Songwu has more. Nearly 1,000 rescue workers, including medical staff, policemen, and、uh, firefighters,、uh, have been、uh, deployed to carry out the rescue mission. And on Friday, the two houses that covered、uh, 300 square meters、um, were uh, damaged by the mudslide, and the rescue missions are still going on. And、uh, the National Road 210 was damaged by a torrent and a, a mudslide, but. Uh, according to the latest, the,、uh, the road has almost been restored. Some vulnerable parts of the road are still being reinforced. The disaster also co-、uh, also made 900 households lack、uh, electricity power. But as of Monday, more than 800 of them are able to use the electricity power because the、uh, state agreed put effort. And 186. Villages in the affected Weizhou village were transferred by the local government to the two nearby hotels, and we also visited one of the hotels. 
um, where around 70 people have been housed since Friday. Some of them said that they've got everything they need for free, such as food, water, medical services, as well as air conditioners. That was Zhang Songwu reporting. Still in Asia, a slow-moving but fierce typhoon is set to land on Japan's main island of Hongshu on Tuesday. Heavy rains and violent gusts from typhoon land are already affecting Japan's traditional Obon holiday week when millions of families travel to their hometowns. Chris Gilbert reports from Tokyo. There have been some sporadic showers coming through already. There's definitely a typhoon on the way. It is very tropical. It is wet and it is humid. And the main thing authorities are doing are you know, suspending travel because this is the main travel period. The Auburn holiday is the first real uh, full swing Auburn holiday where people are traveling back to their hometowns. It's almost like New Year's since the pandemic uh, started. And now this, is being, uh, this typhoon is crashing the party. We're seeing some bullet trains suspended. The main event when the typhoon is really meant to hit the middle uh, of Japan, straight down the middle, and this is a really big deal. The bullet train suspended between the cities of Osaka and Nagoya all day. Now, that is the Achilles heel of travel in Japan. That is the main road. It has been for centuries, the Tokaido line. And that is how people get from East Japan to West Japan and vice versa. Uh, some forecasts are saying there could be as much as 600 millimeters in a 24-hour period. Some places are being warned of uh, you know, more rain in a single day uh, than they would normally see in an entire August. That was Chris Gilbert in Japan. In Africa, the head of a religious delegation of mediators says Niger's military leaders have agreed to hold talks with West African bloc ECOWAS. The religious leaders from Nigeria met with Niger's military junta in Niamey. Gare Amado has more. According to information I got, religious leaders, they asked the junta to, to be ready for negotiation. And uh, uh, in response to I mean, the demand of uh, the religious leader, it seems that the junta asked ECOWAS uh, to lift the sanctions over Niger, so they went back and uh, they had, let's say, an agreement of, with the junta that uh, it is, uh, let's say, the, the junta is ready to, to discuss with uh, ECOWAS, but uh, the first step is to, to lift, I mean, uh, uh, the, the sanctions over Niger. Yeah, it seems that uh, the, president, the president, Mohamed Bazoum, is very in a good, uh, in a good mood. And uh, so the doctor said that uh, uh, the, the president is very strong and uh, He's very. He's also continuing the the, the battle to regain his power, and also uh, he brought to him, let's say, food. And the the, first, the only problem that remains is that the, the president do not have electricity. That was Gear Amado reporting from Niamey. Still in Africa, France has suspended the issuing of new visas to Burkina Faso nationals. Paris is also advising French citizens not to travel to the West African country. The move comes after military leaders in Burkina Faso and Mali pledged their support for the coup leaders in Niger. France has also suspended visas to Malians in retaliation for Mali's refusal to issue visas to French nationals. Wang Jamunga reports. France's decision follows the suspension of Air France flights to and from Burkina Faso since 11th of August. Analysts say this will affect the many Burkinabis heading to France, especially students. This is a time when many Burkinabi nationals, including students, come to visit their families in the country. 
At the moment, I think most of them will have to return to France soon, but they will certainly have difficulties. The baccalaureate results have just been announced, and it is time for students who want to study in France to apply for scholarships, but they will not be able to do so. If our students can no longer stay there, it's not a problem. They can go to other countries such as China. France is not the only country where students get a good education or a good diploma. Unlike the Malian government which has decided to retaliate, the Bukinabi military government is silent on the matter. I think Burkina Faso's silence is a good thing because the issue needs to be studied carefully before any decision is taken. We shouldn't rush into decisions that could affect Burkina Faso students in France. As they observe the state of relations between France and Burkina Faso, those affected are waiting for refunds of their visa application fees. This comes in the wake of increasing anti-French sentiment in the Sahel region following the fallout with Niger and Mali. That was Wanja Munga reporting. Turning to South America, a far-right populist candidate has secured a surprise win in Argentina's presidential primary election. Preliminary results show libertarian economist Javier Millet secured 30.5% of the votes. The main conservative opposition bloc followed with nearly 28%, and the ruling coalition came in third with 27%. The outcome of the primary vote is an indicator of Argentina's general election scheduled for October. Joe Richards has more on the importance of the election. Voting is mandatory for all Argentines eligible to vote, but also all parties hold their presidential primaries on the very same day. So essentially it's a first round ahead of October's presidential elections or a dress rehearsal if you like, but it will help us gauge the mood in Latin America's third largest economy. The main issue affecting voter mood is the economy. Argentina is currently battling with triple-digit inflation, year-on-year inflation running at 116 percent. So there's major voter dissatisfaction. In terms of what to look for, there are a number of issues. Firstly, how will the government perform? We know that President Alberto Fernandez is not running for re-election. That's a decision made on the back of approval ratings. Economy Minister Sergio Massa is expected to win the candidacy. The question is, how much of the total vote will the government take? As for the main opposition alliance, Juntos por el Cambio, Together for Change, voters must decide between Patricia Bullrich, the former security minister, a hardline conservative, and the current Buenos Aires city mayor, Horacio Rodriguez Larreto, who has campaigned on a more moderate stance. Elsewhere, we mentioned how there is deep dissatisfaction with politicians, and that has opened the way for the far-right libertarian Javier Millet to look to seek the protest vote. He's promised radical change for Argentina. That was Joe Richards in Buenos Aires. Before we go, here's a recap of the top stories. The number of confirmed deaths from wildfires on the Hawaiian island of Maui has risen to 93. The head of a religious delegation of mediators says Niger's military leaders have agreed to hold talks with the West African bloc ECOWAS. And a far-right populist candidate has secured a surprise win in Argentina's presidential primary election. That concludes this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu. Thank you for listening.